Lord God, I just thank you. I thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. We've talked for a long time about this word, and I thank you for speaking to me. I thank you for the conversations that we've had. I thank you for the time that we've spent together, that you were always available when I was ready to come to you. And you still poured out everything that you wanted me to say. So as that song says, I present my life to you. Here it is, Lord. I just want to make you smile. And Lord God, I thank you for what you have spoken to me, but I also thank you for the last words that are in my mind right now from my husband who said, God has already blessed this. Amen. Amen. That's beautiful. Thank you, sweetie. That's my husband, Mon Martin. And then later, my children will watch this word. So I just want to give a shout out to Ava and Naomi when they watch it. They're at Girls Brigade. We welcome you to the 830 service, 1130 people. Next Sunday morning at 830, our young ladies will be inducted into Girls Brigade. They're growing in the Lord. So that's where they are right now, preparing for that. So let's go to the word of the Lord. We're going to begin in Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So this is my first sermon. I have a few, but I'm going to try and narrow it down to just two and still have you out of here by two. Simone thinks I have four. It's probably four, Simone. So this scripture came to me as um, I was preparing for this word because the Lord spoke to me about pouring into you all growing. And it seems like all of the sermons in these last few weeks have been on the topic of growth. Elder Nita spoke on Ready, Set, Grow. You know, uh, Brother Irvin spoke on spiritual journaling, but it was all about growing and going back to God. And so for a moment, I was like, oh, and Bishop, right? All of his sermons are about growing and application. We just read the Reset Bible, which was all about growing your prayer life. So there has been this word of growth in this house. And for a moment, like Friday, I said, oh, I can't preach this word. 
because everybody else has already preached it. <laughs> and then I said to myself, self, that's an internal joke. You like that, right? He laughed. I said to myself, self, that's the old Kia. The old Kia would say, what you have to say isn't good enough. They don't want to hear that. They've already heard that before. But my new self says, change your perspective. Actually, what's happening is that you're in alignment with the Holy Spirit. You are clearly listening and hearing from the Lord because that is the word that he has for Pentecost or Tabernacle in this season. He is telling us we need to grow. We need to mature. And so I said, all right, I'm going to go to the 830 service just so I can hear a new word. And guess what happened? I went to the 830 service and Saul preached about growth. He preached about maturing. And I was like, well, Lord, that's what you're saying. He's saying it is time for us to actually graduate from some old things. We need to learn something new. We need to move on. We can't stay in the same place forever. We're telling the enemy, you need to come up with something new. Bye. Bye, devil. Right? We're ending this cycle. And I always have a song in my mind, and all of those words came from a Jonathan McReynolds song about graduate. I have several that I'll give to you all today. So when we look at this verse in Colossians, Jesus wants to guide us and help us with our daily problems. Just as plants draw nourishment from the soil of their roots, we draw our life-giving strength from Christ. And when Christ is our strength, we can be free from our faults. We can be free from our feelings. We can be free from false evidence appearing real when we know that Christ is our strength. Also, when this is done, the scripture says to us at the end of Colossians chapter 2, 6 and 7, it says, once you have done this, when you know that Christ is your strength and you are standing on the word that we have poured out into you, meaning all of these sermons and the word of the Lord and, and Tuesday prayer and Saturday prayer, it seems like everyone's talking about maturity and growth, then you will overflow with gratitude. So this brings me to the area of focus today. It is on gratitude. Now, when we see the word gratitude, there are a lot of other words that come to mind. Gratitude is defined as the quality of being thankful. It's the readiness to show appreciation for something and to return kindness. Gratitude is one of the most powerful emotions that exist. Scientific studies have found physical and mental benefits when you have a life of gratitude. It turns out that when you start and end 
each day with conscious and mindful gratitude, the result is that you have positive emotions, you have high empathy, you have better sleep, you have improved health, you have fewer aches and pains, a more resilient nervous system, lower blood pressure, less cortisol and stress, better relationships, longevity of life, and all of these other scientific results. Who knew? All of that. If you just decided to wake up and go to bed every day with gratitude. I know. Like, I have been in a moment where I, you know, I try not to have these sidebars, but I, one just came to my mind of needing help with my sleep. I found out recently that I'm narc, uh, no, is that it? What am I? Yes, I'm narcoleptic. So I can go to sleep at any point in time, and all of my friends know that, unless my husband's traveling, and then I can't sleep, then I'm up all night, right, from that false evidence appearing real, so what do I get? A little melatonin. I know, I talk about it all. Some of you have been to Whole Foods and you've gotten melatonin before. It's okay to help me go to sleep, but who knew if I was just thankful before and going to bed, it might would help, right? So let's move on because that's the scientific definition. Those are the scientific findings. And this is what is beautiful. As we go to how do we grow in gratitude as a spiritual practice, as a spiritual discipline, Adele Calhoun describes Gratitude is a loving and thankful response towards God for his presence with us and within the world. So it's all about going back to God, having a loving and thankful response towards God. Even in my fear of being home alone, it's because I'm like, oh, I'm here by myself. But no, I'm not. Guess who's there? God. He's with me. He's my comfort. So as soon as we go back to God, things are better. The same as there are so many scientific results and so many words that we could think about, Regarding gratitude, there are numerous scriptures that we could go to around gratitude. The scripture that I want to focus on today is 1 Thessalonians 5, and we're going to read 12 through 22. Now, before we go there, I want to talk a little bit about Paul. I absolutely love Paul. There's a question on if Paul wrote 13 or 14 letters, but Paul wrote several of the letters in the New Testament. And I was just telling my friend, when I get to heaven, yes, I want to see Jesus, but boy, do I want to talk to Paul. <laughs> I just want to sit down and say, tell me how you did that. So when we think about Paul, he is writing this letter to strengthen the Thessalonian Christians in their faith. He wants them to mature in their faith. He wants to give them an assurance in Christ that Christ will return. He established 
this church during his second missionary journey. And this is a church of very young believers. And they are also living in a time where there's persecution all around just for believing in God. And that is what we just prayed about with Simone. He's wanting to motivate them and strengthen them on their faith so that they can know whatever they face, Jesus is with them. These followers of Christ were truly giving up everything. And we love to say it, I give up everything. I give my whole life to him. But they were truly, and, and it's, it's amazing that here we are today and there are still churches and synagogues, right? Like just the hatred for us having our faith is horrible. But he gives them practical advice for Christian living. I love this about Paul because he is telling them, this is what you need to do practically in order to live a life for Christ because you never know when he's going to return. And I want you to be prepared. Sincerely, I want you to be prepared. So I thought if Paul was here today and, and he wanted to rename one of his chapters, he might would name it hashtag stay woke. Or this is the one that I've really been wanting to title a sermon for so long and no one will let me do it is hashtag get your life. I think that that might be what he would title some of these letters because they're all about how you are to live your life for Christ. So here we go. Let's look at this letter. I also thought it was really interesting and funny that even though that's what Paul is essentially telling them, get your life, stay woke, live your life for Christ, he opens each letter so beautifully. If you just go through all the letters, he's like, grace and peace, brothers and sisters. I just started, I, I read like, so go back and look at all those letters. He opens them up. Grace and peace, brothers and sisters. I thank my God every time I think of you. It's so beautiful. But then in it, he's like, and then you need to stop doing this and you need to do this. So let's look at Thessalonians. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those, and I'm reading all of it. I'm not, in, I, want to, I want you to hear all of it. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. 
Stay away from every kind of evil. In that letter, Paul has given them several pieces of advice about how to have peace with each other, how to thank your leaders, all of the people who have been preaching these words to us over these last few weeks about growing and maturing, honor them, take care of the weak, encourage the timid. And we're going to focus on 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 as it relates to gratitude. I have four very brief points. One, we are to gaze upon the goodness of God. We think that gratitude is easy and that it comes naturally. Just think, when you were a kid, you probably had a little blessing that you did before you ate. We just grow up learning how to say thank you. In our house, we learned a song, Lord, we thank you, Lord, we thank you for our food, for our food, and our many blessings, and our many blessings, amen, amen. All of those people have likely been at my house for a meal, but that is what we sing every time. So our children, they just grew up saying, Lord, I thank you, Lord, I thank you, Lord, I thank you. But when we sing that song, we could just bypass really what it means to be thank you. It's like, did that, now let me eat, <laughs> right? But when we gaze upon the goodness of God, that means we are going to meditate on it. It means we look intently. It means that we admire it. We stare. We look fixedly. It's like you had those oogly, googly eyes, right? It's like you just want to stay there and admire it. And what is happening oftentimes in our practical lives, our daily lives, is that we don't gaze upon his goodness. Even though we know the word of the Lord says that I live, I am confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Even though we know that word and it says that we are confident that we will see it, our eyes are blocked to it. We don't see it because we're so busy going to the next thing. That we are not still. And he says, be still and know that I am God. And you may say, okay, okay. But the reason that this is important to truly gaze upon the goodness of God is because when you do that, then you are now in the presence of God. You're recognizing that I am with God. And in his presence, there is joy, which is why it says, be joyful always. So you wonder, how can I be joyful always? If you live a life of gratitude, if you gaze upon his goodness. Now, some of you may say, well, I don't see anything good. 
but God is a good God. And I promise you, if you take the time to truly gaze and sit still, you will see him because he is there with you. Even in this moment, I was talking to someone yesterday and she said, oh, you're talking about gratitude. I just read this great book about Brene Brown. And I read another book, a, a part of her book about gratitude. And she said that in the book, Brene Brown was saying, all right, even though you see all of the death, right, of the bombings in Sri Lanka, and you're like, well, how, where, where was God? Where was he? How could this happen? How, how can I be next to this person who just experienced this loss and still find joy and, and have, great, have a grateful heart for that? And in her book, she was explaining that that person, when they see that you are still joyful for what you have, then you're reaching them and they are finding joy to see you gaze upon your joy, to see you gaze upon your goodness. Imagine for the homeless person who doesn't have a house, but you don't have joy for your house. Imagine the hungry person who has no food, but you don't gaze and meditate and see the goodness of God for the food that you have. That is what gazing on his goodness does. So I want to share with you that, yes, I can say that I know it's not always easy. A way that it's been truly hard for me to see the goodness of the Lord in all things, in all circumstances, is from trauma in my life. This is April, and April is Sexual Awareness Month. Some of you woke up. Great. Because in this month, we now get to talk about sexual awareness to prevent it from happening further. And it's horrible. I've lived through this trauma. And you may say, well, where was God? Because I'm going to tell you, even right now, I often question. It didn't happen once. It happened for time periods and then a few other times. So where were you, God? I still ask that question. But as I was preparing this word, I was like, he was crying with me. He's not a God who wants the pain and the evil to be in this world. He was saying, I'm going to be here with you to pick you up. He was also saying, I am going to prepare those doctors who are going to help you get through this. I am going to go ahead and know who your husband's going to be because I'm going to give you a man who can walk through this with you. So even though I didn't see him there and I don't know the plan, the word of the Lord says he has a plan for us that is good. That is why the word says, I am confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord. 
And then after that happens, what does the enemy do? We go through our pain, and our pain tries to block the promise of the Lord. The pain tries to block the promise that God has for you. But God is providing because he is our provider. He has provision for us. He is there. And I believe that I heard something recently that the worst thing is not the last thing. You may sit here right now and you may be faced with something horrible and dark and you may feel lonely, but the worst thing is not the last thing. What did we celebrate last Sunday? It was Resurrection Sunday. The worst thing was not the last thing. The pain that he went through was not the last thing. My pain that I'm going through, it is not the last thing. There is life. There is life after the pain that you are going through. He wants us to be free. No, it is not easy. But when we live a life of gratitude, we know that everything will not be perfect, but that our God is present. So we are to gaze upon the goodness of the Lord, and we are to guard our hearts and our minds. Guarding your heart and your mind and giving thanksgiving, gratitude in your pain means that you are standing on the word of the Lord. And you are saying, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. You are saying his word tells me to be anxious for nothing. You are saying that I know that God will supply all of my needs. Guarding your heart and mind means that I only want to give keys to the Lord. He unlocks my mind in the morning. His word unlocks my mind in the morning. Some of us are waking up to one alarm, but we need to set another alarm. We have our physical alarm that's waking us up, and we're saying, I'm ready to start the day, and we're getting all dressed and ready, but then we forgot a whole other wardrobe. We forgot to wake up our spirit, man, that I live in Christ Jesus. And his word will take me through this day. Not my plans, not me, not my thoughts. I need to think his thoughts, his ways, because they're much higher than mine. And since they're higher than yours, when you're down low, his words will lift you up. That is what it means to guard your hearts and your mind. Point three is that we need to give to others and receive from others. Paul's whole, Paul's whole life, all of these letters, he's, even though he's in jail, chained, in bondage, he's still giving thanks for his brothers and sisters who are continuing to do the work of the Lord, who are continuing to live this life for Christ. He gives thanks for them. And as I reflect on my moment, I give thanks. I give thanks for those who have been there with me through all of it. 
always, I mentioned one awesome guy. I've talked about you. I've affirmed you a lot in this sermon. But that's another sidebar because the other thing about gratitude is that a definition of gratitude is appreciation. What you appreciate, you show value. When we appreciate God, we're saying that you are who I give all of my value to. You are truly who I love. Not this darkness, not this pain, not this situation, not this depression, not my lack, not my loneliness, but I'm appreciating you. Because then that grows. That grows. And then that love continues. That is how then you build your relationship with the Lord to actually trust him the next time you go through something. Because you know that he brought you through the last thing. So if you don't trust him in this pain, you won't have anything that you've built on. You won't have a relationship that you've built up in order to trust him for the next thing. You'll try to go through the next thing by yourself. And it's all about gazing and seeing. I remember a few weeks ago, my daughter was at a basketball practice. And I was just sitting there so happy that I had 45 minutes that both of them would be doing something. And there was Wi-Fi in the gym. I, see, I was gazing. I was like, there is a Wi-Fi password. I see you, God. I see you. So I had my laptop and I was ready. Didn't have the dog. Like, I was so excited. I just had this uninterrupted time. But then do you know what happened? My oldest, Ava, hi, sweetie. Ava comes up to me and she says, Mommy, did I do a good job? And I was like, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, Ava. Oh, I can't cry right now. That was horrible. <laughs> so I had to close my laptop. And God isn't really asking, hey, did I do a good job? He knows he's great. But he is asking you, hey, do you see me? Do you see me? Do, do you see what I just did for you? I, I, I know you're focused on this because the enemy has blinded your eyes. So you're no longer gazing on me. But hey. You see me? Because I'm moving. I'm working. I'm a great God. I'm a powerful God. I'm a healer. I'm a deliverer. I'm a provider. That's who I am. And I'm doing all of this around you. Do you see me? And there are many things that are blinding us. Many. Many, 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 many. But do we appreciate him? Do we see him? Do we gaze upon him? Because God is good. He is perfect in all of his ways. He's perfect. 
and I'm going to show you how he's perfect. So I've been sharing my story of what I went through, and from my trauma, there was, there was, a, there was a long period of time that I went through this, and so I was sitting here thinking, and I was like, hmm, even when you were not at home and you with with doctors in the hospital for an extended period of time, guess what? You had some friends who came and sat with you. And when you were there, you were at Harvard getting my doctorate, a master's and a doctorate in Harvard, but I couldn't go to class because I was always throwing up or nauseous, or just like tied up in knots from anxiety and depression. Yes, me, yes, this, this woman right here, couldn't finish a statistics paper for nothing by myself. Devil. <laughs> but you know what? He was putting someone named Tara in my, in my path before I even thought about it. Tara was my statistics professor. He's like, do you, do you see what I did? I put Tara in your life, and I'm going somewhere with this because I'm glad he put Tara in my life, but Tara is why I'm at Pentecostal Tabernacle. She brought me to church, and then I started thinking about all these other people, and I was like, but you know what? Before it even got to Tara, it, got, it started with my family and my mother. I have this pack of women that if you are about to do something if they lived in Massachusetts, I would have at least three rows. Anyone who knows my family, I would have three rows. Whatever I did, they were always there, always. I went to college with three carloads of people. I did. So, but, and, and we all did church together. We did church together, and sometimes we're like, ooh, I, 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 was, I was born in the church. Well, I was born in the church. But if we think about Acts, when we built this church, it wasn't about this building. It was about the life you lived with the people around you. So even way back then, they're teaching me, when you get there and you go through this, we're showing you right now how you walk through something with people. Don't do this by yourself. So even though I was having a hard time finding a church, I knew that, well, I got to Tara, and then Tara got me to the church. And so I say all of that to say because there are people that God wants to put in your life. There are people in this church. Guess where you can find them? Come on, put that small group slide up there. <laughs> find a small group. And you can find one right now on the website. You can just look at them. They're all listed up there. And you can just go to our website and say, hey, I want to try a small group. Because I know what the devil's saying. Someone's saying, oh, well, I was adopted. Or, oh, I don't have family. Oh, I just moved here. I don't know anybody. Even as I'm talking, you did not guard your mind. You unlocked the door to the devil. As Sister Anita used to say, you remember this sermon? Well, you're the one who did the no-fly zone sermon, but I know you're the one who will open up her door in this sermon, and she'll just open the door, and she's like, get out, devil. You need to tell him to get out of your mind. It was Bishop who preached the no-fly zone. Your mind needs to be a no-fly zone to the lies that the enemy wants to tell you. There are people in small groups waiting for you. 
They are waiting for you. They would love to read the word of the Lord with you and to walk with you. And then as I thought about how to be joyful and give thanks in all things, I was also thankful for my church family. And I wondered, how did I get so connected to the people in this church? Come on, show them the next slide. I served. I didn't intentionally put these plugs in, even though I am a part of the leadership of the church. But this is truly how I got my healing. It is 100%. I got closer to God through these ways. And I'm thanking God that he put this in my life. When you serve, then you actually meet the other people at the church. But when you just come in and run right back out the door, then you never meet anybody else. I almost know all of you. It is hard for me not to know a person who's been at PT. It's so hard. I know. I see your faces. I know I, I pretty much know just about everyone here because I've been serving for so long. And it's a gift so that then when you go through what you're going through, even if it's like trying to look at ways with your phone down here and you're trying to back out of the church parking lot, that happened with Elder Roy the other day. And he was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm going, I'll see you. And do you know I came to work the next day and he had one of those things that you put in the window for my, for my phone so I wouldn't look down on my phone? Thank you, Elder Roy. I appreciate you. <laughs> I just, and, and then I was going through some of my journals and then I looked through and Sandra Clark, every year just about in my journal, she has given me a word. And I can't even begin to talk about the admin team or the praise company or the VBS staff. All of these ways that I have met so many people because I was serving in the house of the Lord. But I am mentioning all of these to show what gratitude looks like. Their gratitude has built me up. Their gratitude has helped with my healing. And I appreciate you. And because they did that, now I can share, oh, I got one more. Yesterday, I, I love my church family. Yesterday, my sweet Auntie Valerie came to me and she said, I'm praying for you. You are not going to throw up tomorrow. If you've been here at PT for a while, if I preach, if I lead worship, for some reason, that was that old devil. I'd get nauseous and have to throw up because that's what I was doing back when I was depressed, right? And he's like, let me remind you of that and take you back there. So even while I'm trying to walk in my calling, which is what's happening with some of you, you've said, I'm ready to step in my calling and I want to step out and be obedient to the word that the Lord has prophesied over my life. He's like, but uh-uh, let me just remind you of how you really do things. You don't really walk in his strength. But Auntie Valerie, guess what? I did not throw up this morning, sister. But she was praying. She was praying. 
And if I had my eyes closed, if I was not gazing to see the goodness of the Lord all around me, I would just be standing here feeling like I'm all alone. And we are not. So to my final point, I know that this is not easy, even though his word says to be joyful, to be thankful in all circumstances. It's not easy to show this gratitude. But we have to go back to God. We always go back to God. There was a quote that I read that says, but we who would be born again indeed must wake our souls unnumbered times a day. We have been reborn indeed. We have life. That's why when we sing that song, it's your breath in our lungs. You can never just sing that song and it's just not, right? Because you're just like, yes, it is. So I'm going to pour out my praise. But we're to do that unnumbered times a day. So we may think that, oh, yes, I have this attitude of gratitude. Absolutely, Kia. I know how to be grateful. But let me share something with you that I found here. Read a little bit to you, a teacher. This is from Brene Brown, The Gifts of Imperfectionism. The Gifts of Imperfection. For years, I subscribed to the notion of an attitude of gratitude. I've since learned that an attitude is an orientation or a way of thinking, and that having an attitude doesn't always translate to a behavior. For example, it would be reasonable to say that I have a yoga attitude. The ideals and beliefs that guide my life are very in line with the ideas and beliefs that I associate with yoga. I value mindfulness, breathing, and the body-mind-spirit connection. I even have yoga outfits. But let me assure you, my yoga attitude and outfits don't mean jack if you put me on a yoga mat and ask me to stand on my head or strike a pose. As I'm sitting here writing this, I've never practiced yoga. I plan to change that between now and the time you're holding this book in your hand, but to date, I've never put the attitude into action. So, where it really matters, on that mat, my yoga attitude doesn't count for much. So, what does a practice of gratitude look like? She's interviewed several people who write in their journals. They create gratitude art. They stop in the middle of a stressful day. They say words of affirmation out loud. 
But it seems that gratitude without practice is essentially like faith without works. So yes, your gratitude here when you have the praise company in front of you and they're singing those songs for you. But what about in your dark moments? Where is your practice? What about in your pain? Where is your practice? If we think about Jonah in the belly of the well, that was a, that was a pain that I don't know, put me in the belly of a well, that it's not a great, you know, great thing that I'm like, oh, yes, God, I see you here in the darkness. But he thanked the Lord and he got out. Think about Daniel. He put it into action. Think about Jesus. He was there. He had the loaves, the bread. He's there. And he's like, I don't have enough for everyone here. What am I going to do? But he gave thanks. And look what happened. You have to put it into practice. Hold on to what is good and go back to God. Go back to God. We know the parable of the lepers. Only one went back. Are you going to be the one? I want to be the one. Because his word says he'll leave 99 for one. And we love to sing that reckless love song about his actions, his practice, what he will do, right? No shadow you won't. I could sing it right now, and I bet you by the time I'm done, I'd be on the floor. The words are beautiful. can sing it all day. But are we going to ever be the one to come back to him with our practice? We need to hold on to what is good. And there are several ways that you can do this. I'll just share a few with you because I'm a teacher. There are gratitude journals. I was preparing. They're not going to pop up, so if you want to write them down, feel free to write them down. I did a little research, and I found a whole bunch of different ways you can show gratitude. But then I, I was doing this research for this, <laughs> and I was, I don't, I had, I have like, I'm sorry, I laughed at myself. I had like six gratitude journals. Empty. One Uncle Charles, Auntie Onika gave it to me in 2015. I wrote in the first page that I was thankful that Onika bought me this gratitude journal. But then the rest of them, <laughs> Maria just gave me a gratitude journal last year, and she got upset because I was like, oh, because I'm like, I don't write in them, but I have a lot of them. But thank you. I appreciate you. I affirm you, sister, for that gratitude journal. Not only did I have gratitude journals, I bought a pack of cards. I'm telling it. I have this little pack of colored cards that you can take out every day for gratitude. And then guess what else I have? I have this little book of joy, a rainbow book. It's a rainbow on the front and then every page is, it's like I have it all, but guess what? 
it means nothing. It's like that, that yoga, right? It's like that yoga. But are you going to do it? And there's so much more I can say, but for the freedom, the freedom, the freedom, the freedom, because today I am free. And, and as I was studying and preparing for this word, I was like, oh, here we go. Lent's over and we're going to go through another cycle, right? Everyone's been free for 40 days because you've been consecrating and you've been with Jesus. You've been going back for 40 days. But do we have to wait till Lent next year to go back? Is that our cycle? Because if it is, woo. But that's not what we're doing. I had a, such a good point on that. And devil, you tried to take it. Ha, huh, here it is. As I thought about the cycles, I was like, I think he is trying to bind us to feel like you're dealing with the same thing over and over and over again. Here it comes again. Here comes your anxiety again. Here comes that depression again. Here comes that loneliness again. Here comes your fear again. Here comes your shame again. Here comes your guilt again. He hasn't freed you from anything. But I think that what God is doing is that he's actually pruning us if we go back to Colossians because he's going deeper so that your roots can go deeper. So he's technically, I don't even think he's dealing with the same thing. There's just been something deep down in the dark that now he's revealing to you. And to me, that's a good thing. And you might not think it's a good thing, but it's a good thing because he wants you to be whole all the way down. So this word for me today was about maturing us and strengthening us to live the life of Christ, to live a life of gratitude, even in the circumstance, to hold on to what is good because God is good. He is perfect. And when you gaze upon him, You will see him because he's with us and he's within this world. So as we close, I just wanted to continue with Thessalonians for how Paul ends the sermon, ends this word. He says, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. God is faithful. I thank you, my sister. 
I thank you for your expression of gratitude today. I was like, look at the Lord. What if we did just shout out how thankful, yes, you. What if we did just walk around shouting out how thankful we were? Some of us were uncomfortable. We were just uncomfortable. You are out of order for praising the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all brothers and sisters with the sacred kiss. I command you in the name of the Lord to read this letter to all the brothers and sisters. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. May we grow in gratitude today, brothers and sisters. Grace and peace to you. And I would love to pray, I would just love to pray for anyone who desires prayer today in order to see the goodness of the Lord, even in the circumstances. I have a friend who shared that at their Thanksgiving table, at our table, we walk, we go around and we say, oh, what's something you were thankful for this year? At her Thanksgiving table, they go around and they say, what was the hardest thing for you this year? And then after they share that, they say, praise God. That's being thankful in all circumstances. And God is with us and within us. So may we just bow our heads and I will pray over us. There is prayer at the end of this service for anyone who desires prayer. Maybe the Lord has spoken to you during this word and you're saying, I can't say praise God in this situation. Maybe you're in a place where you say, I, I just can't see him. I want to gaze. I want to know what that feels like to be in his presence in such a way that I could just gaze. And at the conclusion of service, we invite you to come and we'll be happy to pray with you. Or maybe you're saying, I want to put this into practice. I have it. I know it. But I need to grow this practice. As a matter of fact, why don't you just stand if any of that comes to you at this moment? Why don't you just stand to affirm and let the Lord know that I hear you speaking and I want to respond to you right now, God. Start now and be the one. Start now and be the one. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. 
And we say thank you. You have opened the eyes of our hearts in this place today to see you. To see your goodness in the land of the living. Even in our pain, Lord God, we know that you are providing, Lord. In our disappointment, Lord God, we know that you are there. In our darkness, Lord God, help us to believe and to know confidently that you are there. Because you are God. You are God and you are God alone. And you have a life for us, God, in you. And that life says that we are free indeed. That life says that we shall live abundantly. You said that you would supply all of our needs. You said, God, that by your stripes that we were healed. We are healed. So be our comfort today, Lord. Be our peace. May we find joy in you, God. And Heavenly Father, we say that we want to come back to you. We need to see you. We need to see you, not our circumstances, God, but to see the truth of you, the truth of your word. We bless you, Lord. Let us overflow with gratitude, overflow with you. Pour out your presence in this place right now, Heavenly Father. Move in this place right now, Heavenly Father. Move in this place right now, Lord God. Move in this place right now, Lord Jesus. We believe in you and we call upon the Holy Spirit to be with us in this place, Lord. for your spirit. The spirit of the Lord is in this one.